American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. In 1492, when Christopher Columbus sails west from Spain, he's not just the representative of the Spanish crown, of King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel. He's also the bearer of the most advanced technologies that Europe has to offer. His ships are built to withstand almost any kind of sea and fight any kind of enemy. They're armed with the most advanced military technologies, cannons, gunpowder. They navigate with compass and map in ways that his predecessors a few hundred years before could never have done. And he also, because he grew up in the Mediterranean mercantile world, is a master of financial technologies that are in their own way both quite new, but also in their ability to transmit credit over long distances, forerunners, and in many ways almost identical to techniques that are still used by modern businesses. But most European societies are not capitalist, certainly not in any modern sense. 90% or more of their inhabitants are peasants. They grow and produce much of what they consume. Most of them are bound to the land by the fact that they are serfs or by other feudal laws and restrictions. They don't work for wages. They hold their land in common. Even in the cities and in the more active centers of the European trading economy, we still do not see modern capitalist economic relationships. People cannot set prices or buy and sell property as they choose. They're bound by ancient laws and traditions in most cases. Most institutions within the economy are not modern either. You don't see factories or other kinds of industrial production. You don't see, for the most part, modern banks or similar kinds of financial institutions. These societies are simply not economically modern. Most importantly, economic growth rates remain low. Production was inefficient and societies were still stuck in the same Malthusian trap. A couple of good harvests made population increase, but a bad harvest meant that there simply wasn't enough food to go around for the increased number of mouths. In short, Europe was still one bad year away from societal collapse. Nor did European societies dominate the world economy. If you were looking for a center of the global economy, that would unquestionably be China. With over 100 million people, compared to Western Europe's 57 million people in 1500, China was the center of global trade. Products were made there and were sent around the world money returned to China. In fact, that's where Columbus and other European explorers were trying to get to when they accidentally bumped into the Americas. European societies would not, for the most part, be able to conquer or dominate other societies in the world in the 1500s. They would, again, for the most part, only be able to trade around the edges of those societies. Now, on the other hand, over the next two centuries, Europe would be able to conquer and dominate many of the most complex societies in the Americas, like the Aztec and Inca empires. In fact, between 1500 and 1600, the population of the Americas probably dropped from about 100 million to about 15 million, as diseases brought in by Europeans, diseases for which the native 
uh, Americans had no immunity, raced through populations and devastated entire societies, leaving the Europeans in charge, unable to exploit both the existing resources and the surviving populations of many of those societies. And over the next two centuries after Columbus, so in other words by 1700, Europeans would develop new institutions and new capacities that would be tremendously important for the eventual development of capitalism as we know it. For instance, new kinds of production technologies, new ways of organizing and producing commodities would emerge. And these would be tremendously important in the development of modern capitalism. And if you look at the states that promoted and regulated the economies of the 1700s and the 1800s, they developed in the process of conquest between 1500 and 1700. They developed the bureaucracies and the militaries and the financial structures that allow them to go out and dominate the world and to reorganize themselves into capitalist economies. All these things are in place between 1500 and 1700. And yet, as of 1700, the whole thing could have slid backwards. European economic growth could have unraveled, just as we saw in other societies at other times. If you look at the collapse of the Roman Empire, or if you look at the collapse that China, up, up till 1700, the center of the world economy, was about to undergo over the next two centuries, we can see that it's possible for societies and economies to slip backwards into full-scale Malthusian crises. And the same thing could have happened for Western societies after 1700 for all kinds of reasons. Unexpected environmental crises or the simple inability of technologies to produce enough food and other goods for a growing population. These too could have led to societal collapse. And yet, that's not what happened. I mean, we know what comes next. We know that Europe and Western societies generally would go through a transition to industrialization they would come to dominate much of the globe. In other words, European and then American capitalism, as we know it, would develop. So let's find out why. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank you.